We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell you what, Jess, I've saved some a couple more sound bites. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready for rapid fire, and I'm even more fired up that we're that we're putting these sound bites into rapid fire. <laughs> All right, let's do it. One of our favorite guys on the roster, Mr. Bulging Biceps himself, Audric Estime. He was having himself a day, and then uh, in the first quarter already, and then he fumbled a ball in the second quarter that went out of bounds didn't play the rest of the half. So was that intentional that he didn't make an appearance the rest of the half? Here's Marcus Freeman's answer to that. Yeah, he was taken out of the game. I talked with Coach McCullough about it because there's a standard that, that he and our, our offense and our team is set for that room and you can't put the ball on the ground. And, and we don't care if you're Sam Hartman or Audrey Destiny. Like, if you're not doing – the things that we say are the standards for this program, this room, then there's consequences. And so part of that was, hey, Audrey, you're going to be pulled for a little bit because you can't put the ball in the ground. And then to me, it's also a credit to Audrey Gestime, who is the guy. He's the guy. We all know that he's the guy. To be able to say, okay, I'm going to stand here on the sideline for a couple series or whatever, however long it was. When you give me my opportunity, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to go do my job. Like, it's just, to me, a credit to Dylan McCullough, for the trust that his players have in him and a credit to Audrey Estime that we all know is the guy, RB1, um, to be able to accept that, you know what, you're going to be held accountable because you did not perform for a stand, you put the ball on the ground. And um, I thought it was a great example to not just those two, but to everybody in that room, even our entire team. Nobody's bigger than the standard. Nobody's above the standard. And if you don't perform to the standard, consequences. We understand that. We know Isaac Estime didn't mean to put the ball on the ground. But the ball's on the ground. So we got to hold him accountable to that standard. And so it's it's actually a really proud moment to be able to see that. Like, there's no pouting. There's no guy throwing his helmet mad because he's taking a nose. Hold me accountable, coach. That's that's your job. And when I get the opportunity to go back in, I will. And he did. He did a great job. And I agree with what Stymie's saying. Glad to hear him own it and not brush it under the rug because he could have just said, well, you know, he, he just, uh, the, the the game and the situation, and we just decided to, you know, to give some of these other guys an opportunity and, and that kind of stuff. Look, 
Ball security. You got to you got to take care of the football. It became an issue last year. Just look at the Stanford game. Became an issue there for a short amount of time. He saw the bench for some time after those fumbles, and he came back and didn't fumble the rest of the season. And hopefully that's the case here because, as he said, you got to be accountable. You have to take care of the football if you're going to be on the field. Yeah, so a couple of things I like from this, and you kind of already touched on one of them. You know, Audrey Gessamay did have a fumbling problem last year, and that was something that, you know, the, the coaches – brought to attention and, you know, told Audric he needed to fix if he wants to be the premier back in this offense. And I, I, that leads me to the second thing of you know, something I really liked about Marcus Freeman is the standard that he talks about. No one's above the standard, you know, whether that is your on-field play or your off-the-field behavior or performance, no one is above the standard. You're going to be disciplined for your actions, you know, and, and you're going to just like you get praise. You know, when Audrick gets praised for 150 yards and two touchdowns, he's going to get his praise, but he's also going to be disciplined when he fumbles the, the ball, you know, in the second quarter of a game. What if that's Ohio State and that's a high leverage possession and they lose that ball and they lose out on a valuable possession that they need against Ohio State, right? Because well, the Ohio State game is more of a chess match. Every every possession is going to matter. Um, and so I like, and that kind of leads me to the third thing, is it's impressive that Notre Dame has the depth in order to sit a guy down and cool him off for a little bit, to have Jabron Payne, to have Jadarian Price, to have Jeremiah Love, to have Devin Ford all in that room, they have options, talented options, to go to when a guy needs a break, you know, a mental kind of reset. And so I really admire that. And the last thing I want to touch on is outside of the blocking by the tight ends, I thought that was the best play that the tight ends made that day. Tight ends saw the ball on the ground. He just punched it out of bounds. He saved the possession and didn't allow the Navy defender yeah. to kind of recover it. So I thought that was a great heads-up play by the tight ends as well. That drive, by the way, ended up being the uh, drive that ended with Jadarian Price's first career touchdown on his first career carry, 19 yards. Jadarian Man, did Price he shoot through in. that hole, <laughs> level shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. One, he had a nice hole to run through. Again, going back to that interior offensive line. But two, how about some burst? I mean, he took Man. off like a little rocket coming out of the backfield. Oof. I'd hate to be anyone, you know, and uh, in, 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 in his side of, uh, you know, path because it, uh -huh. it wasn't going to it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> yep. Five headed monster is right. They were all out there on display. It looked really good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Samaris so Leofell had a good game out there. And here's some of Marcus Freeman's thoughts on the linebacker. We'll talk about him here in just a sec. They all played. We'll all have winning performances. Um, man, Maris played with a physicality that I have not seen for a while. I mean, Maris is a physical linebacker. I mean, he's a really good player. But I went back and watched that film, and Maris was playing so physical. Um and um, constantly did it and did it like, listen, I play linebacker, and there's certain plays, there's certain formations you can see and say, okay, we're going head to head, we got to go. And it's not natural to really like enjoy that over, but you have to do it. And, and that's what I saw. There were certain formations. Maris knew three backs in the back, okay, here, just come to lead on me. It's me versus this dude. And the very first play of the game, if you go back and watch it, Maris <laughs> The dude got him a little bit, the, the Navy fullback. And they got the same formation four or five times in Maris. Every play went and took him on. And that's, the, that's what you love to see, man, a guy that's willing to sacrifice his body. But also do your job. Like, you can't just be a physical player and not do your job, right? And Maris did them both. And so um, he had a forced fumble. You can see, as you go back, I told Coach Cohen this last night, like, you can see defensive guys truly being aware of the football, trying to get it up. We had zero turnovers. But that is not because there wasn't awareness and a lack of, of really uh, effort to do it. And so credit to them, though, the turnovers, takeaways will come as long as we are considered, constantly being uh, aware of where that ball is. Nice game by Marist. Let, let me ask you this, though, Jess, because, I mean, it, I don't disagree with anything that Marcus Freeman said, the physicality, making the quick read, all the different stuff. But at the same time, you played linebacker. Ryan Roberts played linebacker. I'm kind of surprised we don't have a linebacker show. You know, you guys uh, pumping that out, you know, the <laughs> linebackers or something here, you know, a, a weekly pod or something like that. But it's one thing, like, how, how do we know how for real this is with him? Because it is it is still doing it against the option. Like, isn't it a, a, a different thing to, to sort of prove you can do it week in and week out against a more traditional so offense? Let me let me give Maris Leofau some praise. Give him some props first. Okay. And then we'll kind of go into a little bit more of, of what you're asking here. You know, I, I think Marcus Freeman – touched on a lot of things that Maris Leofau did really well. He played physical. Um, and, and what I saw him do is he finished tackles. A lot of times you saw Mar Maris Leofau get hands on people last year, but couldn't quite finish tackles. That's very true. That didn't happen on Saturday. When Maris Leofau got a hold of you, you weren't getting away. And I think that's that's a big step for Maris Leofau because not only is he get, diagnosing the play and getting there, but he finished the play. He was physical enough to finish the play. So I think – that's a big thing for Maris Leofau, and I think that's kind of the biggest praise I have to give him. But I think something I also want to talk about based off of Marcus Freeman's kind of comments is, uh, and I chuckled a little bit, is 
he he hit the the hail the 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 hammer on the on the head when when he talked about when teams come out in certain formations and you just know immediately what that means and and a lot of like and and the triple option and specifically for what Maris was doing he knew his job was to blow up that that fullback probably five plays in a row and you know that's <laughs> And like Marcus Freeman said, that's not the most fun or appealing thing to do to blow up a fullback, a big, strong, physical fullback in the hole, kind of keep half your body free, but knowing that you're you're doing your job, right? And I think that is another thing that that Maris Leofeld deserves praise for. Here is comes he, another here comes another car crash, basically. Here comes another car crash in the <laughs> hole. Uh, I know I'm not gonna get the tackle, but I'm still gonna blow up this play um and, and do my job. Um Mr. Saviant, <laughs> USMA has given it to you now. <laughs> but to go to the flip side of the coin, it's an easy day for Maris Leofel when he knows 95% of the time it's a run play and he knows what his keys are and where he needs to be. It takes a lot of thinking out the key, of the game. The keys are much more simple, right? The keys are much more simple. And it takes a lot of thinking out of the game. And I think that's ultimately what's been kind of some of Maris Leofel's downfall is he thinks too much. Um, doesn't diagnose the play when he in a timely fashion. And then when he does diagnose the play, he wasn't finishing the play. So at least now he was finishing the play. But I think where he has to diagnose, you know, run pass um, and, uh, and is going to be a little bit more of a tricky situation for him because it's going to be more of a 50-50 split and run pass. It's not going to be a 90 to 95% predominant run play where Maris Leofel just needs to read his keys and understand where he needs to be. Like, it's still hard. Don't get me wrong but it's going to be harder when you have to diagnose more pass and run plays. But I still thought Maris Leofel played an excellent game on yeah. Saturday. He did what he was supposed to, and he finished plays. I think, again, that was the most important thing. He finished plays. Tacklers, he wasn't missing tackles or allowing the play to get away from him. That's right. <laughs> Jeff says, go ahead, hit that hammer on the head. <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm saying, all right? Ryan's here, by the way. You guys can talk about doing that linebacker show sometime. Upon further review. <laughs> linebacker edition all right would you buy or sell notre dame opening up every season against navy i actually buy this just for the simple fact that it gets a very physical game out of the way early i i think when you play navy you know six seven games into the season you're already banged up you already guys got guys with this and that and then you have to go play a very physical team and probably, you know, might suffer another casualty um, or an injury here or there. I, I just think in terms of for a game that not a lot of people appreciate or love, it's good to get it done early in the season. And it, again, I think it just saves them physically um, on the field, too. I think you'll get away with the, the, le the least amount of injuries if you can put Navy as far in front of the schedule as possible. We had one sell. We've got three times as many buys right now on opening with Navy. I love it. I mean, look what, look what happened. You open up against Navy every, they haven't opened up against Navy that often, but when they have, they've typically, <laughs> they've typically been blowouts like this. And you can like, you can garner a lot more excitement for the Notre Dame Navy game. I think at the beginning of the season by the fan base compared to the middle of the season, because it's just by the time you get to the middle of the season, everyone just wants to get by Navy and on to whoever's next after Navy, you know? So I, and I think that people can get a lot more excited about it. You can, whether it's in, in Dublin, 
San Diego or wherever it happens to be. You can obviously move it around to a lot of different places, kind of make it a big event kind of thing at the beginning of the season. I think it's a lot better for Notre Dame opening up against Navy for, for the reasons you outlined there than it is playing them somewhere in the middle of the season, whether it is November or October or whatever it happens to be. I think it would be like, this is kind of your compromise. If you're going to continue to play Navy every year, why not just have them at the start of the, the season where as Marcus Freeman talked about last week, you've got the entire off season to prepare for that one-off offense. You get past that physicality like you're talking about and you move on afterwards. I think it would be great to kind of make that, make that the Notre Dame Navy tradition, open up the season with them every year. I think it would be perfect. Fill in the blank. Navy kicking the field goal at the end of the game was blank. Uh, Navy kicking the field goal at the end of the game was weak, but understandable. At the end of the day, you know, someone asked me about this. Why did Navy not go for it? And da 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 da. Well, it's it's a lot easier, you know, in in a game where you're ultimately, you know, taking a shellacking. Um, it 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 does a little bit for the team's confidence when you're not getting shut out, right? And so, when even if you put three points up on the board, you know, I, I understand what they're trying to accomplish. I don't think their sole mission was to be like, Oh, we, we, we're, we're here to just jack up, you know, the, the, the shutout or whatever. I mean, that's kind of true, but at the same time, it's like a team trying to bunt when a no hitters going at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the game, right? Like the ninth inning rolls around, you got a couple guys trying to lay down a bunt. I get it. You're trying to, you, you, you don't want to be the team that gets no hit. You don't want to be the team that's not right. shut out. It, it does a lot for moral confidence and team confidence, even if you're just going to put up, you know, three points or whatever it might be, it might be measly. So at the end of the day, like it's Bush league and I it's weak and, you know, I I don't agree with it, but I understand it from a coach's perspective for what he's trying to do, you know, for the rest of the season and and his players kind of morale and mentality after the game. I I just, it, it looks a little bit better when you have three points instead of zero points on the board. And I, I do get it. I, I understand because you are Navy and you are not a good passing team. And from where they were on the field, I I thought initially they were probably going to go for it. I get it's not like if you score that touchdown, what was that midway through the fourth quarter? It's it's not it like an impact on the game. Yeah, it's not like oh we got to get this touchdown because now we're going to start this big rally and it's going to get us back in the game. All you want to do at that point is avoid the shutout. So I get it. They weren't going to win either way, so why not? You might as well kick the field. You know, like Syracuse did it a few years back. Remember in the in the Yankee Stadium game, the, the Shamrock Series game that they played out there? I get it. Get the goose egg off your back. What about Audric Estime? I forgot to ask you this when we were talking about Audric. What did you think about the fact that Notre Dame had him still out there at the end of the game in the fourth quarter running the ball? like three straight times to start that last drive. You know, I, I think that um, I, I don't necessarily completely understand it. I don't know if that maybe had some repercussions from, from the fumbling incident earlier in the game. You know, maybe that was like, hey, you know, you, you're on kind of cleanup duty now. I, I don't know if that's what that entails. Obviously, his legs were fresh. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, why would you uh, uh, risk injury or, you know, anything like that? And I, I get that, but – you know, it's still the first game of the year. 
guys are still, you know, got, got the adrenaline flowing. Um, personally, would I have kept Audric Estime out there? Probably not, considering the depth that they have. And they already let, you know, uh, pay, Love had four carries. Payne had six carries. Price had four carries. You know, why not mix in some of those guys? Why not give Ford a couple carries? So I don't agree with it. But, I, again, I think there had to be kind of some underlying, you know, reasoning for it. Maybe yeah. that's cleanup duty because of the fumble at, at the end of the day. Yeah, and between – just everything that you mentioned there, like like Jeremiah Love or or Devin Ford, either the young guy or the old guy, I would have thought that maybe that they would kind of give those guys some reps. And and plus the fact that the game is obviously well in hand, like do you really want to risk something stupid happening to to Audric Estime at the end of the game? That's that's kind of what I was concerned about. Those things, I don't know. Anthony asked Jesse and Ryan on the field together. Who's the Mac and who's the buck? Ryan says, Jesse's the mic and communicator. Let me play in pursuit. So no one's, no one's going to try to, you know, jump all over the, the mic. So I, I mean, that's, you got to like that, right? Yeah. That's a nice tandem. I could, I can <laughs> hold down the mic. Ryan's got a little bit, probably more speed and agility on the edge. Let him run some little bit of wheel action, maybe some Rover action, get him out in coverage bring him off the edge a little bit. We got to use all that athleticism that he has. I agree. So Noah Eagle filled in for Jack Collinsworth in the NBC um, booth, did the play-by-play because Collinsworth was ill. What did you think of Noah Eagle? It was funny. I, I texted you at the beginning of the game and I was like, is Noah Eagle Ian Eagle's son? And you're like, no, no, no. Or sorry. I was like, is that Ian Eagle's brother? And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's it's his, his son. son. And I was like, well, that's, I feel bad now for Ian Eagle for, you know, uh, basically, or sorry, Noah Eagle saying that, you know, he's, he's old enough to be uh, uh, Ian Eagle's uh, brother, but it turned out he was his son. I loved Noah Eagle. I thought he brought just a, a fluidity and a, and, a, and a different amount of professionalism to the game. It just didn't seem as amateur-y or gimmicky with Jack Collinsworth. Like Jack Collinsworth is always like, ha, 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 kind of vibe, like, <laughs> But like knowing Eagle to me again felt just very professional. I thought he went about the game in a very smooth manner. And for a guy who probably didn't have a ton of time to prepare, you know, with Jack Collinsworth being sick and ill and having to probably and to leave the country and to kind of fill in an emergency, I just thought he was tremendous. I would love I would I would prefer Noah Eagle over Jack Collinsworth full time if it were up to me. Um, but maybe that's not in the budget. Maybe that's not Chris Collinsworth approved, <laughs> you know, over there at NBC. So, you know, well, a man could only hope or wish at this point. But I, I loved having him. He's getting the Big Ten primetime games, Noah Eagle is. And when they announced that booth several months back, we we talked about it here. And let me just say this. This is the last time I'm going to bring up, like, the Jack Collinsworth stuff. Because I feel like, like, I, I don't want it to feel like we're, like, unfairly bashing him but when you look at the two you're going to compare them because Noah Eagle was dropped into that booth and he did do it on short notice like if there was a complaint about Eagle it was maybe he wasn't that up on the Notre Dame personnel but Collinsworth was sick they got Eagle to fill in for him so he ended up doing the game he did have a pretty short amount of time to prep for it but you can tell that he is Ian Eagle's son like like between the voice and the look, the professionalism, he went to the to, he went to Syracuse, where like ninety five percent of the professional broadcasters around the country end up going. Like you can tell, this guy is a professional broadcaster. 
and it it's it it does it, it sounds a lot different than Jack Collinsworth, who is still even the, though these two guys are the about the same age, they're not that far apart in age. You there's there's a huge gap in the ability of these two guys as play by play guys. And I and I said that you would it again when they announced that booth that he was going to be doing the Big Ten. I said that you would be able to tell the difference between the two, and that's what you got out there. I thought he did a. I thought he did a great job, especially on short notice, filling in for Collinsworth out there. But he's going to be doing the Big Ten games. How about Jason Garrett? He was uh, he was just getting railed oh on social media gosh. during so, the game. What did you think about that? You know, I'm I'm going to be <laughs> quick to defend Jason Garrett, and I I feel like for someone who had so many bad things to say to, as for as as you know his coaching abilities. I, I feel like I am more lenient on his broadcasting um, abilities. Here's what I'm going to have to say about Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was criticized for a lot of comments. I think just, you know, talking about really what, what was a blowout. So when a team's getting blowout, how do you say positive things about a team that's essentially getting blown out? And I think that's the issue that Jason Garrett was running into. He just kept kind of saying, you know, how uh, how how Navy was this, um, you know, a, a mental toughness or, you know, it, Navy is uh, all this military training makes them mentally tough. Or there was just a lot of comments kind of about Navy uh, in regards to, you know, things that, are, that were going on outside of their on field performance. And I think Jason Garrett was in a tough situation because he has to be enthusiastic and try to come up with things to say ultimately about a team. Uh, that's that's getting dominated. So could Jason Garrett be better? Sure, but I I, I still think people nitpick Jason Garrett um, at the end of the day. And, but, and again, it, it's it, it was a blowout, and I think he he kind of was more like a robot, you know, like eat you eat you, and and, and didn't really show a lot of enthusiasm, which I get. But it's well, hard I, too when a team's getting blown out like Navy was. But I think that that's kind of one of the the bigger knocks on him. Like I had Brian Curtis on from the Ringer Pre, uh, Press Box podcast back in the summer before I did my vacation and, and he's a Dallas Cowboys fan as well. And we talked a little bit about Garrett. It's like, he hasn't necessarily shown a whole lot of personality. I felt having a more polished and professional sounding play-by-play announcer in there with, you know, with him in the booth. I thought that it helped. Same. Jason I thought Garrett. no Eagle helped out Jason Garrett. Yeah. It could have been, it would have been worse probably with Jack Collinsworth there. I agree. It would have been more awkward. I and I think Jason Garrett would have been like, I don't know what to say in this situation. And there would have just been, again, more awkward silences. Yeah. The thing with coaches, when they go to the booth, is you get a lot of coach speak still. Players have tended to be better, I think, overall announcers because you just get a little bit more flavor. You get their true personality. With with a coach like Jason Garrett, he's buttoned down all this stuff and – press conferences with the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's a little bit more guarded. He's that's what you get. Like his, the, 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 the one he said something in the fourth quarter to, you know, something the effect of like wondering if Navy was going to make some comeback when it's 42 to nothing, you know, it's like, really? Like, like that's, that's your, and I, you know, and I'll tell you what else though, kind of getting kind of jumping here. A little bit beyond Garrett. I think Garrett is Garrett, and that's kind of what you're stuck with. And, and again, I do think a more polished and experienced play-by-play announcer helps out Jason Garrett. I thought that NBC's the the little pregame postgame show that they did 
was fairly solid. I like Michael Robinson. I thought that it was, you know, Matt, Matt Castle was, was a little bit stiff early on, but I think he's got some potential. I'm not sure who the other guy was. Um, I don't know if you remember, like watched any of it and saw it, but I thought it was decent. And it, like, I think that we're going to get some of this because like the Notre Dame game will end and then you're going to have some time to fill before the big 10 game starts. So I think there'll be more of that on NBC going forward. Some of that uh, pregame postgame crew that they've got. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with uh, everyone here. Uh, I'm going to put myself out there. I didn't see any of the fourth quarter or the postgame show because uh, I, I had a friend over. We were watching the game and, you know, I've had a bad kind of foot ankle situation going on. Um, my good buddy, we were all the way up in the attic, said, let me take my dogs or your dogs outside for you while you, uh, you know, you just kind of hang out up here. And our newest dog uh, ran away during the, the start of the fourth quarter. Did you and find so, him, by the way? I didn't get to ask you about this. We did find him. After an hour and 15 minutes of searching, we had we were able to locate him about, I would say, approximately close to like a half a mile away from the house. So he was uh, he was on foot and he was he was away. So I, I didn't get to, unfortunately, see the ending of the game. But uh, I, I'm hoping to enjoy some, some NBC postgame shows. Uh, later on but uh, that that was not good I thought I was in some serious hot water when the dog was loose Michael and Anthony talking about the camera scripts I did oh my notice that. gosh there were so many there. times where the the there were times where <laughs> the camera crew kind of beat Sam Hartman to the punch like he was showing the wide receiver before the ball was even thrown and then there were times on the triple got, option where they, yeah, were they just got absolutely by the deep. option a few times yeah it's like move the camera that's not where the ball is. <laughs> Didn't notice that. Yes. Well, you know, they did wear the alternate uniforms out there Saturday. Would you like to see, and obviously they're going to wear green against Ohio State. Would you like to see Notre Dame wear more alternate uniforms going forward? Um, you know, I, I'm just going to say no. I'm more of a traditionalist. I like using alternate uniforms sparingly because then it gives it more of a a reasoning or a punch or kind of like excitement uh, for me. But I, I thought that those jerseys looked really sharp. I thought they make some, they made some minor adjustments to kind of their classic uniforms, nothing crazy. And I thought that they looked great and they fit the situation. Like I don't mind Notre Dame doing a green uniform, a Shamrock series uniform, and then maybe even like a, a bull uniform at the end of the season. I think that's enough um, of alternate uniforms for me. Yeah. I'd say two games during the regular season, and then, like you said, mix it up a little bit. Typically, the big addition in the bowl game is putting the names on the back right. of the jerseys. I'd like to see, yeah, like I'm I'm a fan of the shamrock. Throw a shamrock on a helmet or something. You know, I w- I wouldn't mind seeing that. Like they, you know, they they put the little Irish flag on the front. Just some some little tweak. Maybe instead of the names on the back of the jersey, like you throw some shamrocks on the sleeves, or I don't know, something. Like I know that you're a fan of those all white, the icy whites they wore yep. in the uh, the Dallas Shamrock Series game against Arizona State a few years back. But uh, you know, hey, if people don't want them, I understand. But I, I I wouldn't mind seeing more alternate uniforms every once in a while, a couple times a year. So Tony Roberts, the longtime. Notre Dame radio play-by-play announcer unfortunately passed over the weekend. Here's a here's a quick 
quick couple of hitters from the 1989 Notre Dame Michigan game at the Big House. Whitfield down around the five yard line. The kick will come down and Rugib will take it. Takes it at the 12, 15, 20, 25. He's at the 30. After Bernie Durant, he's gone. 40, 45, 50. Down the sideline at the 35. A right side goal line at the 10. The 5. A touchdown. Irish. The Rockets back for it. He's at the 9. To the 10. Get to the 15, the 20, 25, out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby, at the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, bye-bye, Rocket touchdown, Irish. Tony Roberts, he was 94 years old, was the play-by-play voice of the Irish from 1980 through 2006. You're probably too young to remember him, Jesse. He was my kind of play-by-play guy. We were fortunate back at the first radio station I worked at when we came to town. We used to do our pregame show up in a booth in the press box. You were up there with me once or twice, but our booth was right next to the Westwood One radio booth where um, Tony Roberts was with Tom Pagna first and then Alan Pinkett the last few years as well. Just a great, great, passionate play-by-play announcer. Vince and I were actually lucky i think it would have been like the 2006 blue gold game it was when jeff samarja was pitching tony roberts came up and uh, sat in the booth was with us for uh, for a couple of innings he was uh, just a a great a great great guy and a great play-by-play announcer and those are two of my favorite i know the the quality of that audio there was not great but those are definitely two of my favorites the two kickoff returns that Rocket took back against Michigan in the big house in 89. Yeah. So I was going to ask if you had um, some, some Tony Roberts uh, kind of memories or or favorite kind of memories, I guess I would say. And, you know, like you kind of brought up, he, he finished in 2006. So that would make me kind of 10 years old at the time and really (laughs) kind of, you know, and, and, and at that time it wasn't a lot of listening to the games on the radio, right? It was a lot of, you know, watching on TV or, or being fortunate enough to go to a lot of the games too as a kid. Um, but, you know, just a, I did some homework and then just kind of a quick history of, of Tony Roberts. I mean, he broadcasted from 80 to 2006. So that's, you know, two, 26 seasons. Uh, he's a member of the Indiana Broadcasters Hall of Fame. He's a member of the National Radio Hall of Fame. And yep. he's also a part of the College Football Hall of Fame. So he's very well decorated. Uh, the name is very well known. And You know, uh, something I didn't know, uh, he graduated from Columbia, a very hard institution, prestigious institution where he got a degree um, in in journalism. And, you know, he also kind of worked outside of college football. He got to cover some of the NFL, some MLB, golf, some Olympic games here and there. So, you know, Tony Roberts did a lot lot and he accomplished a lot. And I I think it's just, you know, whether you knew him as a Notre Dame kind of uh, play by play guy or not, I just think he he was nationally known, you know, getting into the College Football Hall of Fame, being in the National Radio Hall of Fame. Like those are very prestigious national awards. So yep. a lot of respect for Tony Roberts. Helps when you're on Westwood One doing Notre Dame football and you're heard from coast to coast on all the affiliates around the country. So uh, I know a lot of people, especially in this area, grew up with memories of listening to Tony Roberts on the radio and and like going out and mowing their yard on a on a Saturday and and uh, having him listening to the uh, to the radio call while he was doing it so rest in peace Tony Roberts one of the great ones final thing tonight something interesting Big Ten is going to make football availability reports mandatory on game days this season they're the only power five conference 
that's going to actively distribute these reports. Big Ten schools are going to be required to submit availability reports at least two hours before kickoff to the conference office. Each program's reports will be released on the conference's website and on Twitter. I'm just not comfortable calling it X, no matter what they say right now. But uh, if a school doesn't send in its injury report within two hours of the start of the game, it could be disciplined. So what do you think about this? Do you want this to become the norm in college football? The NFL has the injury reports that they have to turn in. Do you want college football to go that direction as well? You know, I had to ultimately kind of figure out what availability reports was, right? I had to do a little bit of research, but in my understanding, they're very similar to the NFL injury reports. Basically what it is. You're calling them availability, but it's an injury report is what it is. Right. So basically schools will be required to submit what players are available to play uh, to their respective conference offense. And then they have to distribute that information online and post it to the social media platform, like you said, Twitter, X, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, so it becomes public knowledge. I I don't necessarily see the benefit of this. I think as long as the coaches, the opposing team's coaches, you know, know what's going on and know, you know, who's available and who's not, I think that's that's respectable, right? Like, I think if your star wide receiver is listed as game time decision all week, I think the other team's coach has the right to know if that player is ultimately available or not. Um, and outside of that, I, I, I really think that's the only thing that I care about from that that kind of situation, you know, yeah. and I, I don't necessarily need to know it. You know, I'm going to find out when the game is live and, and the and the commentators come on and say this player is out today. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's a much bigger deal uh, than, than what it's made out to be. I think the Big Ten is kind of making something of nothing here. Ultimately, watch the movie The Last Boy Scout, Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans. Um They'll tell you, Chi-Town is nailing it right here. It's to make the sports books happy is what it's all about. This that like That's the reason the NFL has it. <laughs> that's literally, that's, that's that like, makes watch the last Boy Scout. Sense. Watch the last Boy Scout. They talk, that's exactly what it is. The NFL does it because there's so much gambling. That's, they want to make now, sure Vegas it's legal can, now. can cover but, themselves. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. And they, they, they do it because of, the sports books and that's i'm i'm surprised maybe i'm surprised that that no one has done it before but at the same time like i i i just i find it odd that the big 10 is going down this road because we've we've come this far and no one has done it before and they've decided they're they're jumping in like the big 10 already with its tv contracts was kind of trying to go to an nfl model and everyone's talking about oh you're going to have two super conferences and all that and you know, it's going to become like pro football. This is just another step in that direction. I'm really surprised that the Big Ten is going down this road. So I would not want to see it, is, is my answer. Um, DT, DT was, uh, was talking in here. I think I starred the wrong comment. He says, Sean never comes on the, after, on the daytime show to join in the chat. That's because Sean is working on other things in the middle of the afternoon on the chat. He is either working on his show or he is writing, like, you know, going to press conferences, doing other things. Come on, man. We've all got our, we've all got our jobs to do. Um, you know, maybe I should, I was watching a little bit of the post game show the other night as we were waiting for, uh, 
you know, some of the, the, the Marcus Freeman audio to come back to us from, from Ireland. I don't know if I'll have many opportunities though, because the home games I'll be at the press conference and all that kind of stuff. I was going to say, maybe I could do more of that, but it's tough. It's tough. We've all got stuff coming on or going on. Come on. Michael asks if it's true that Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge are doing the Ohio state game. I have not heard anything along those lines. Like, oh, maybe they would since it's, you know, part of the Big Ten deal or whatever. I have not heard if that's going to happen, though. I like it is a Notre Dame home game. So I would assume that it's still going to be Collinsworth and Garrett because they do the Notre Dame home games. But Stemmy brought up a good point. What did you think of the new clock rule? Did you notice it? Did you think the game moved quicker? Was the I'm going to save better? that for tomorrow. I'm going to save that oh, for tomorrow because sorry. I found well, I found some some information some data like opening weekend data and i don't have it all here in front of me so rapid fire tuesday (laughs) that'll be in there or it might actually be what uh you coined the phrase last week overreaction tuesday that's i I wanted a little bit of that little bit of that segment i was i was gonna mention it for today but I, i think we can I think there's like such thing as fun overreactions. And I, I, I think those would be kind of fun to touch on uh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Josh says, but it's prime time. I mean, I, I realize everyone's <laughs> just begging for Noah Eagle now and you're looking for an excuse to have him, but it is still <laughs> a Notre Dame home game. And I think that that is going to take precedent over that. I, I'm, I think I, I can't say for certainty, but I think that I think that you're going to see, Whatever the booth is, this year it is obviously Collinsworth and Garrett. Whatever the booth is going forward, as long as NBC has the contract, I think that they'll continue to separate it that way. There's going to be one crew that calls Notre Dame's games, whether it's primetime or not, and other crews, the you know, whatever the other crew is. Right now it's the Eagle and Blackledge crew, which I think is going to be really good. They'll get to, to call the Big Ten games, not at Notre Dame Stadium. So that's just what I think. Well, that's going to do it for today. I do want to say there are more people listening and watching the IB podcast shows right now than ever before. And we definitely appreciate you being here. If you're new, we appreciate it. Of course, go to, uh, go to irishbreakdown.com, be a part of the premium board where you get a lot of (laughs) Intel and stuff like that but uh great community and we appreciate it we appreciate everyone who uh listens and watches all these different shows it is it is great to have you here and uh it's uh, i think it's going to be a really fun season so looking forward to more of it as we go along thank you very much jason we appreciate you and everyone else as well there he is the bandit who got away he got away <laughs> he stole my fourth quarter. He's crying. That is not that is not Henry. Tell everyone his name. This is uh this is Scooby. Scooby. He's a foster dog and uh he's just a little puppy. Made a puppy mistake. Got out. Dad made a mistake, didn't take him out on the leash. Um but here we are, reunited and we found him. So all is good. Even you, Tommy. Even you. We even appreciate you. Hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, review. And we will talk to you mañana on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.